Hello everybody and welcome back to our series where we are talking about every single chapter of Harry Potter starting of course with book number one Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone or the Sorcerer's Stone if you're from America. Today we're talking about chapter four the Keeper of the Keys. Now normally I go off on a big tangent at the start of this video and I sort of have something to ramble about or update you on but because we're recording this pretty much straight after or just a couple of days after episode three went up and that video has not been posted yet I've only recorded it I've got nothing to rant about so I thought why not start with something a little bit different uh, I thought as a little special for the people watching on YouTube I would show off my Hagrid pop figure uh, I've got the one with the umbrella rather than holding the cake um, I'm not sure which one is the most common version but I thought, you know what, since this chapter is all about our friend who we're about to meet, the giant that is Hagrid, why not do this as a little special intro specifically for the video? And let me know, have you guys got a pop figure collection? Because I do, but I only have Harry Potter ones, so I've got a bit of an obsession with them. So if that is maybe a video you'd like to see my collection, let me know in the comments down below. But without further ado, this one's quite a long chapter. I've written a few hundred words extra on my notes than the last one. So I think we'd better just get straight into it. Um, let's start with doing a little recap of chapter three, the letters from no one. Uh, it's a regular morning in the Dursley house and Harry was sent to fetch the post and he comes back with a letter that's addressed to him. Uh, quite specifically, actually, it says to the boy living under the stairs, which obviously Harry's a little bit confused by. He gives it to Vernon and Vernon and Petunia freak out, out of the, at the sight of this letter. They don't let Harry see it and they make sure to get rid of it without responding. Anyway, over the course of the next few days, loads more of these letters turn up in unusual ways because Vernon tries to do whatever he can to stop them, including sealing up all the doors so no one can get in. But they find their way in to a point where Vernon decides this is it, we have to go, and he drags the family out of the house. They go and stay in a hotel, but the letters still turn up at the front desk. And eventually they end up rowing out to sea to a little shack on a rock just to try and escape the person sending these letters to them. And as we left it, the clock had just struck midnight. Harry was counting down the seconds to his birthday and suddenly a big knock appeared on the door. Who could it be? Well, we're about to find out in chapter four, the keeper of the keys. Let's begin. Boom. They knocked again. Dudley jerked awake. Where's the cannon, he said stupidly. There was a crash behind them and v Uncle Vernon came skidding into the room. He was holding a rifle in his hands. Now they knew what, he had, been in the, what had been in the long, thin package he had brought with them. Who's there, he shouted. I warn you, I'm armed. There was a pause. Then, smash. The door was hit with such force that it swung clean off its hinges and with a deafening crash landed flat on the floor. A giant of a man was standing in the doorway. His face was almost completely hidden by a long, shaggy mane of hair and a wild, tangled beard, but you could make out his eyes glinting like black beetles under all the hair. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to, we're going to find out his name in a little bit, Hagrid, as you saw from the pop figure earlier. One of my favourite characters in Harry Potter, what a lovely man, but we're not going to go into all that because that's going to be revealed throughout the course of this chapter and book, but finally... We're about to introduce someone into Harry's life who's actually going to care for him, which is nice, because as we've learned so far in just three chapters, very few people who Harry's met do, and it's very, very sad. Anyway, the giant squeezed into the hut and put the door back into its frame. He then asked very casually if he could have a cup of tea. I guess 
maybe he was surprised you know he, he wasn't expecting everybody to be so surprised at being woken up by a giant i suppose in his world giants or i mean we'll find out with him eventually he's a half giant uh i, I guess they're common but even so, if you suddenly had one knock your door down and come and interrupt you whilst you're on the middle of a massive rock thinking you've escaped from the whole of society, I don't think you're going to be offering a cup, offering him a cup of tea, are you? But I suppose maybe that's just the difference between us and how wizarding people think. I'm not sure. But I want to show you the picture in the illustrated copy that, of course, we're reading, as usual, of Hagrid. Hopefully you can see that. I'm not going to hold it too close because I don't want to knock my mic over like last time. But it's a very, very cool picture. And it looks very similar to the Hagrid that we know in the films. Which I'm sure, to be fair, a lot of the pictures in this book are based off. So, without further ado, let's move forward. He walks towards the sofa that Dudley's obviously been sleeping on. And he tells him, budge up, you great lump. Uh, which I suppose... Hagrid's probably allowed to call someone a lump because he's not exactly small himself. I guess he gets away with it like that. Uh, obviously, Dudley screams and runs to his mum because even though he's a bully at school, as soon it's one of those typical examples of pick on someone your own size. Not that Hagrid's his own size. He's a considerable amount bigger, but Dudley's not going to pick a fight with anybody um, unless they're at least probably a few stone lighter than him. Uh, he then spots Harry and he says, oh, last time I saw you, you were a baby. To Harry obviously referring, I presume, to the night that we saw on chapter one where he brought Harry on a motorcycle to live with the Dursleys because, let's face it, unless he was stalking Harry, he wouldn't have seen him in the ten years since then. Uh, he says, you look a lot like your dad, but you've got your mum's eyes. Now, that's a, cu a crucial one for anyone who's read the whole series. Uh, we'll hear that analogy a lot, especially the one about him having his mum's eyes, uh, which is, you know, interesting because, as, as I wrote here in my notes, this is probably the first time Harry's heard that. And again, if you've read this series, you'll be very used to that comparison. And it's it's something that a lot of people, I think, point out in the film series that Harry's eyes are the wrong colour. Uh, but it's a very key part of the books, at least. And yeah, it'll be weird for Harry hearing that because obviously, as we know in the, in the Dursley household, nobody ever talks about Harry's mum and dad or any of his other family for that matter. So I guess, yeah, that would be a little bit shocking. So anyway, obviously all this has happened and Uncle Vernon has gone into a little bit of a panic. Uncle Vernon made a funny rasping noise. Uh, I demand that you leave at once, sir, he said. You were breaking and entering. Ah, oh, shut up, Dursley, you great prune, said the giant. He reached over the back of the sofa, jerked the gun out of Uncle Vernon's hands, bent it into a knot as easily as if it had been made of rubber, and threw it into the corner of the room. Uncle Vernon made another funny noise, like a mouse being trodden on. Now, here's a question. I have absolutely no idea how much damage a bullet would do to someone like Hagrid if he was actually shot. Uh, but clearly, he's not scared of the gun whatsoever. Whether he just knows that Vernon's a massive coward and wasn't going to shoot it, I don't know. But that would terrify you. I mean, it's one thing if a giant comes in, but I guess you wouldn't necessarily know if he was strong. I mean, I'm quite a big lad, if you as you can see if you're watching it on the video but i'm one of the weakest people in the world i can't lift weights or anything i don't go to the gym i just like food so you know but clearly hagrid has come in and pretty quickly asserted his dominance here anyway but you know granted hagrid is a giant but he's a big friendly giant and he wishes harry a happy birthday and pulls a sticky homemade chocolate cake out of his coat pocket which he does mention he may have accidentally sat on or something on the ride over but that just shows how lovely he is i mean he doesn't even know this boy for all he knows harry could have turned out to be some horrible 11 year old who he just didn't like but because as we found out you know he 
He obviously loved Harry's parents a lot. He cares, and, and he goes out of his way for people, and it's it's so lovely. He's such a lovely guy. Um, one of those, you know, there are lots of people throughout the Harry Potter series you'll see who you can't always work out if their team good or bad, or even if it is obvious their team good. They have their moments where, you know, they, they're a bit on the offside, but Hagrid never really has that. You, you've never got any doubt about Hagrid. He's such a lovely guy. However, instead of saying thank you, Harry just says, who are you? Now, normally I'd, I'd pull Harry up on his manners and stuff, but I can't exactly blame him. He's just bumped into a giant who's given him a chocolate cake. You'd, you'd probably have a few questions. Um, Hagrid introduces himself. He says, you know, his name is Rubius Hagrid. Uh, he introduces himself as the Keeper of Keys and Grounds at Hogwarts, which is the first time Hogwarts has been mentioned to Harry. And obviously it won't mean anything to him yet because he doesn't have a clue about this wizarding school. But it's a job title that Hagrid's very proud of, as we'll come to find out uh, later on. And then he asked for the tea again, which I just put, what a proper British lad. I don't know whereabouts Hagrid's meant to be from in the original book series, but, you know, who doesn't love a cup of tea? Especially after a long journey on a cold, um, I'd say winter night. I think it's a cold night, but it's in July, so it's not really winter. Anyway, obviously realising he's not going to get his cup of tea, he needs to warm himself some other way. So Hagrid bends over the fireplace, and without anyone seeing what he did, he drew back a few seconds later, revealing a roaring fire. He then empties a great list of things from his uh, coat pocket, including a copper kettle, a squashy package of sausages, a poker, a teapot, several chip mugs, and a bottle of some amber liquid, which he took a swig from before starting to make tea. I don't know what the amber liquid is. Is it fire whiskey, which is an alcohol that we come across later in the series? I've got a feeling it might be. Uh, I was going to put here, is Hagrid an alcoholic? Question mark. But then I thought, do you know what? Hagrid has probably got a very good tolerance for alcohol. He could probably drink 10, 12 pints maybe and only just start to feel slightly tipsy. I mean, look at the size of him. You know, in in the muggle world, between us, obviously, different people have different tolerances. But normally, you'd say people who are bigger can tolerate their alcohol a little bit better. And people who are smaller are probably more likely to be lightweight. And if that same thing works with giants, then, yeah, he could probably have a few sips of whiskey and feel okay, let's be honest. Um... So, obviously, you know, he starts making himself at home. He starts cooking sausages in the now toasty and warm shack. Uh, Vernon tells Dudley, don't take any food off him. Not that I'm sure Hagrid was going to offer him. Uh, as he says, your great pudding of a son doesn't need fattening up any more, Dursley. Don't worry. I'm sorry about my terrible accent, by the way. I, I can't I can't do voices at all. But the thing with Hagrid, if, you, if you've actually read the book... All his words are written in slang like that, you know, they, they don't have any T's or anything, so I kind of have to speak with an, with an accent when I'm doing Hagrid, so I just apologise for that now. Um, obviously, Harry takes the sausages because he's starving, and for some reason, I mean, he, I guess he's quite a, trust, a trusting person. I think that's one of the main characteristics you could give to Harry. I think that'd be a fair assumption. So he doesn't hesitate and takes the sausages. And obviously they're sitting silent, eating for a little bit. But after a while, Harry's got all these questions going through his head. And he finally just asks, I'm sorry, but I still don't know who you are. Um, now, I've put in my notes here. I need to explain that I'm going to have to read quite a bit now. Uh, because this is just a very famous part of the series. It's a very famous film clip where we find out what Harry is. I'm sure everyone knows what I'm referring to. But simply put, I mean... I have to read this. It'll be quite a lot. Normally I don't read more than like a, a paragraph or something at a time. So I might be reading for a couple of minutes. I'm not sure. But this is the only way I can actually give this scene its true justice, I suppose. So without further ado, 
let me read possibly the most important bit of the whole series. Call me Hagrid, he said. Everyone does. And like I told you, I'm Keeper of Keys at Hogwarts. You'll know all about Hogwarts, of course. Uh, no, said Harry. Hagrid looked shocked. Sorry, Harry said quickly. Sorry, barked Hagrid, turning to stare at the Dursleys, who shrank back into the shadows. It's them as should be sorry. I know you won't get any letters, but I never thought you wouldn't even know about Hogwarts for crying out loud. Did you never wonder where your parents learnt it all? Or what? asked Harry. All what? Hagrid thundered. Now wait just one second. He leapt to his feet. In, in his anger, he seemed to fill the whole hut. Do you mean to tell me, he growled at the Dursleys, that this boy, this boy, knows nothing about, about anything? Harry thought this was going a bit far. He had been to school after all, and his marks weren't that bad. I know some things, he said. I can, you know, do maths and stuff. But Hagrid simply waved his hand and said, About our world, I mean. Your world, my world, your parents' world. What world? Hagrid looked as if he was about to explode. Dursley, he boomed. Uncle Vernon, who had gone very pale, whispered something that sounded like Mimble Wimble. Hagrid stared wildly at Harry. But you must know about your mum and dad, he said. I mean, they're famous. You're famous. What? My my mum and dad weren't famous, were they? You don't know. You don't know. Hagrid ran his fingers through his hair, fixing Harry with a bewildered stare. You don't know what you are, he said finally. Uncle Vernon suddenly found his voice. Stop, he commanded. Stop right there, sir. I forbid you to tell the boy anything. A braver man than Vernon Dursley would have quailed under the furious look Hagrid now gave him. When Hagrid spoke, his every syllable trembled with rage. You never told him. Never told him what was in that letter Dumbledore left for him. I was there. I saw Dumbledore leave it, Dursley. And you've kept it from him all these years. Kept what from me, said Harry eagerly. Stop! I forbid you, yelled Uncle Vernon in panic. Aunt Petunia gave a gasp of horror. Ah, go boil your heads, both of you, said Hagrid. Harry, you're a wizard. There was silence inside the hut. Only the sea and the whistling wind could be heard. I'm a what? gasped Harry. A wizard, of course, said Hagrid, sitting back down on the sofa, which groaned and sank even lower. And a thumping good un, I'd say, once you've been trained up a bit. With a mum and dad like yours, what else would you be? And I reckon it's about time you read your letter. Wow. What I mean, I don't want to get all sort of nerdy and, and stuff now, but like, what what a piece of like, what a massive page in terms of like the history of sort of literature and just everything and, and so many of our childhoods and stuff. The moment where Harry finds out he's a wizard, you know, everything that we've just enjoyed for the first three chapters of what we thought was just a sort of sad life of an 11 year old boy, that's all done now. This book series is about to completely change to a world that we have no idea about but are about to fall in love with i, I just love it I, I just love everything about this slow reveal the way that hagrid goes from being so excited to talk about magic to harry to this slow disappointment that he doesn't know anything which then turns into this massive anger towards the dursleys and then back down to this excitement again where he starts explaining things to harry um just what a i guess crazy thing and what a crazy thing for harry i suppose to hear i mean 
not only has he just found out he's a wizard, he's also found out he's a celebrity in the space of about two minutes. Uh, I have no idea what will be going through your head right now. Um, but anyway, I suppose we've just got to keep reading and find out, you know, with Harry. Because, let's be fair, if someone came in and just said you're a wizard like that, you'd need some proof. I don't think you'd just believe them. So, as we're going to see... Hagrid, without even realising, has now got himself the task of having to prove that Harry is a wizard. Um, so Hagrid has finally finally decided it's time for Harry to read his letter, and he gives him a brand new one addressed to the floor, hut on the rock, the sea. Now, whoever made this version of the letter obviously knew that the Dursleys had fled to this rock, so I'm wondering who made this letter and how did they know where they were that fast? I mean, they work very, very quickly, these wizards. Um... I don't know. I, I presume it was Dumbledore, because Dumbledore kind of knows everything. Um, but anyway, who knows? And actually right here, we've got a little introduction uh, explaining Dumbledore, but I'm going to read the letter out for us, because I think that's quite important. So the letter reads, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, Headmaster Albus Dumbledore, Order of Merlin First Class, Grand Sorcerer, Chief Warlock, Supreme Mugwump, International Confederation of Wizards. Dear Mr. Potter, we are pleased to inform you that you have a place at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Please find and enclosed a list of all necessary books and equipment. Term begins on the 1st of September. We await your owl by no later than the 31st of July, uh, which is today. So you need to hurry up and get your letter back, Harry. Uh, yours sincerely, Minerva McGonagall, Deputy Headmistress. Now, at this point, obviously, loads of questions have exploded in Harry's head. I mean, you must have a million questions. What is Hogwarts? Who's Albus Dumbledore? Um, but the question that he decides to ask is, what does it mean, await my owl? Which wouldn't have been my first question, but I suppose, do you know what, fair play? It'd be quite confusing, I guess. And it's a little bit of a throwback to that new story on that first day in Chapter 1 ten years ago when there'd been all those sightings of owls and stuff, uh, I think if I'm remembering that correctly. I may even get that uh, confused with a later on chapter, but I'm sure that's chapter one. There's this talk about owls and stuff appearing and how you're sort of starting to see magical things happening on in the Muggle world, which is obviously quite exciting too. Um, we just a little pop up on the screen there, which I think OBS would have picked up. So sorry about that. Hopefully that's all cleared now. Anyway, let's try and get back to where we were. Whenever something like that happens, I always lose track of where I am with my notes. It's really annoying, but I found it again. Anyway, um, this causes Hagrid to suddenly panic. Uh, Harry's reminded him, using the words owl, that he needs to write a little update to Albus Dumbledore. So he just writes a quick letter saying he's got Harry and he's taking him to buy his school things tomorrow. He gave the letter to the owl and threw it out the window into the storm, uh, which I suppose... Seems a little bit cruel. If you don't really know the purpose of owls yet, you'd think, God, I mean, you're basically just sending that owl out into a death sort of zone. I mean, how is he supposed to fly through that? But clearly owls are a little bit more resilient than maybe I give them credit for. So Vernon finally plucks up some courage and tells Hagrid that Harry's not going. Obviously Hagrid almost sort of laughs at this. He says, I'd like to see a great mugger like you stop him. Uh, Hagrid sort of then has to explain what a muggle is to Harry, which is basically just a non-magic person. And if you're creating a list of important words to remember the meanings of in the Harry Potter series, muggle will be fairly near the top because that's going to be used quite a lot. And we find out through the new sort of Fantastic Beasts series, there's other words for non-magical people, non-magic, for example, in different languages, but muggle is the one that we use in this, in the main book series. So Vernon says that they swore when they took him in that they'd put a stop to this rubbish, rubbish, which causes Harry to shout, 
But you knew I was a wizard back back at them. Um, Petunia then explains, of course, she knew and that Lily, Harry's mum, was also one. And that she was the only person who saw her for what she really was, a freak. Yet everyone else was so proud to have a witch in the family. Now, obviously, this sort of suggests... I mean, you can kind of sum up here by knowing Petunia. She was probably just very, very jealous that she wasn't one. Um, and that Lily got all the attention, uh, you presume. Unless maybe something happened that caused Petunia to actually think she was a freak and maybe be scared of her. You, you'd imagine here it's either fear or jealousy, but it's obviously something that was strong enough to make them completely lose contact for a very, very long time. So clearly something quite serious. Uh, but she keeps ranting and it's almost like it's something that she wanted to get off her chest for many, many years, which made me think maybe Vernon was the man who man was the one who sort of demanded they never spoke about magic. I mean, I imagine that it probably didn't take much persuading Aunt Petunia because obviously with Harry's mum, she would have probably been happy if Harry didn't turn out to be a wizard because she might have been jealous or scared of him. But maybe she would have been happy to sort of talk about it a little bit more and get it on off her chest, whereas Vernon was the one who's always had this sort of, if we don't talk about it, it never happened sort of attitude. He's a very, he's a very cowardly person like that. Just avoid your problems and they'll never come back to bite you. But as we're sort of learning here, suddenly everything that Vernon has pushed to the side, as small as just blocking the letterbox all the way to the problem at the start, which was lying to Harry about his parents' death and about magic. It's all coming back to bite him now, just like that. So she goes on and she mentions about Lily meeting Harry's dad at school, James, and how they went and got themselves blown up. Now, this is the first time that Harry's heard what actually happened to his parents. And this must have been very, very tough to suddenly sort of, to go from believing your parents died in a car crash to suddenly being told they were blown up just like that in the middle of night on your birthday i mean that must be horrible i mean that is i guess something that you know i hope nobody watching would ever have to sort of you know experience something like that i mean losing your parents or anything but to to find out you were lied about it like that and for it to just be said so casually just like that and thrown into a conversation by someone you hate that must just be horrible now obviously Harry's just in shock here, but this causes Hagrid to freak out. He says, car crash, roared Hagrid, jumping up so angrily that the Dursleys scuttled back to their corner. How could a car crash kill Lily and James Potter? It's an outrage, a scandal. Harry Potter not knowing his own story when every kid in our world knows his name. But why? What happened? Harry asked urgently. The anger faded from Hagrid's face. He looked suddenly anxious. I never expected this, he said in a low, worried voice. I had no idea when Dumbledore told me there might be trouble getting hold of you, how much you didn't know. Ah, oh, Harry, I don't know if I'm the right person to tell you, but someone's got her. You can't go off to Hogwarts not knowing. Now I'm just going to butt in there quickly and say this is why I love Hagrid so much, because he's so caring and he absolutely is the right person. Out of everybody in Harry's life so far, if there was anybody, you know, obviously they've just met, but you know, literally out of everyone, in, in five minutes Hagrid showed more sort of interest and compassion towards Harry than anyone he's known sort of since his parents died. So he's absolutely the right person to tell Harry, Let, let's be absolutely honest. Anyway, he threw a dirty look at the Dursleys. Well, it's best you know as much as, you can, as I can tell you. Mind, I can't tell you everything. It's a great mystery, parts of it. He sat down, stared into the fire for a few seconds and then said, it begins, I suppose, with with a person called what is incredible you, you don't know his name everyone in our world knows who well i don't like saying the name if i can help it no one does why not 
gulping gargoyles, Harry. People are still scared. Blimey, this is difficult. See, there was this wizard who went bad. Bad as you could go. Worse. Worse than worse. His name was Hagrid Gulp, but no words came out. Could you write it down, Harry suggested. Nah, can't spell it. Alright, Voldemort. Now we have it, the first mention of the name Voldemort, the main villain of the story, the one who killed Harry's parents. And again, that, that just shows, I mean, Hagrid, you know, he, he's so lovely, but he's also, again, showing he's a big friendly giant. Even Hagrid's scared of Voldemort. And again, I don't know if that shows more how big and friendly Hagrid is or how scary Voldemort is, but the fact that Voldemort disappeared 10 years ago and people are still scared of saying his name, that probably says a lot. And what a great way to sort of build your villain with just one reveal of their name you've so, by making it sound like people are so scared to say him he already feels like such a big deal it's, it's genius writing it really is so so, so good from jk uh you just i just absolutely love it so hagrid obviously has to explain the story so he explains that voldemort about 20 years ago started looking for followers and got them through a mix of fear and some of them wanting power since he was very powerful himself at the time he says that they were dark days, terrible things happened. People who stood up to him were killed and one of the only places that were still safe was Hogwarts. As people said, the only person that you know who, which is what people refer to Voldemort as, was afraid of, was Dumbledore. And that's a very key part of this series, the whole Dumbledore, Voldemort sort of fear. It's kind of like creating your fight. It's almost like setting up this final boss battle very, very early. I'm not going to talk about when we'll finally get that and stuff, but obviously you can kind of work out we're going to lead to that at some point. They, they really do a good job of setting this up. The fear that Voldemort has of Dumbledore. Out of every single magical person in the world, he wasn't scared of anyone except for one man. This old man, this headmaster of a school. So yeah, so not only is it putting over Voldemort as a villain, but God, it's making Dumbledore seem powerful. Obviously, McGonagall mentioned it in chapter one. Um, and even though Dumbledore in that chapter came off as this sort of rambling, silly man who, you know, was happy to celebrate and just seemed seemed a little bit almost out of it and just i guess i don't know the best way to describe it just a little bit carefree a little bit quirky but secretly he is one hell of a wizard we're seeing everybody say it now um hagrid says that harry's parents were a good witch and wizard and it's a surprise that he never tried to recruit them voldemort that is uh, possibly it was because they were too close to dumbledore but on halloween night when harry was just a year old he turned up at their house uh, at this point, Hagrid has to get a handkerchief out and blow his nose because he was obviously very fond of Lillian James and he finds this sort of thing and, and talking about it um, very, very emotional. Uh, but anyway, he, he then explains, you know who killed him. And then, and this is the real mystery of the thing. He tried to kill you too. Wanted to make a clean job of it, I suppose. Or maybe he just liked killing by then. But he couldn't do it. Never wondered how you got that mark on your forehead. That was no ordinary cut. That's what you get when a powerful evil curse touches you. Took care of your mum and dad in your house even. But it didn't work on you. And that's why you're famous, Harry. No one ever lived after he decided to kill him. No one except you. And he'd killed some of the best witches and wizards of the age. The McKinnons, the Bones, the Pruitts. And you was only a baby. And you lived. Now, obviously this is... This is the shocking bit. This is the revelation of the series. This is how we sort of find out how Harry Potter has become Voldemort's 
enemy. This really is the setup for everything. And, and it's kind of, I guess, the mystery that's going to unravel over the series. It's the mystery of how did Harry survive, but also the mystery of, well, how is Voldemort going to work out a way to kill him? Um, you know, that's... It's a good setup. There are lots of different things to think about during Harry Potter. And obviously, when you know the series, it kind of becomes less complex. But imagine you were reading it for the first time. There's loads of things to think about, loads of different, you know, areas. Um, anyway, this causes Harry to have a painful vision of the flash of green light that obviously he's been dreaming about. That In his head, he thinks, came about when his parents died in the car crash. But for the first time, he remembers with it a high, cold, cruel laugh, obviously Voldemort. Now, this might be the first time when Harry sort of slowly starts to believe Hagrid. Because even though Hagrid's given him this letter and stuff... It could be a fake letter. Hagrid could be a con artist. But I suppose the fact that he's told him this and suddenly Harry's had this flashback and he can remember the laugh, maybe he's slowly starting to believe it and piece it together. Anyway, Hagrid explains that he brought Harry to the Dursleys on Dumbledore's order, which causes Vernon to pipe up again and says he accepts there's something strange about Harry, but it's nothing a good beating wouldn't have cured, uh, which is kind of terrifying. Um... And I really hope this means that they didn't actually hit Harry. I, I don't think they do, but God, that that's kind of scary to think that they would do. Um, I really hope not, but I, did, I, I wasn't sure what to think of that. But God, I mean, if you were Hagrid, then you'd have stepped in, wouldn't you? Uh, but anyway, um, he then calls Harry's parents weirdos and says the world's better off without them, which causes Hagrid to snap again. He pulls out his pink umbrella, not not any, you know, just a, just a regular pink umbrella, which I suppose, if it wasn't the fact that it was a massive giant point out, pointing it at you you might start laughing because i mean it's not really that threatening is it i suppose it could do some damage if it was used properly but it's a pink umbrella but anyway he points it at vernon and warns him not to say another word and obviously because you've wound up a giant vernon goes quiet and harry asks hagrid so what happened to you know who hagrid says he disappeared the same night he tried to kill harry which as a result makes him even more famous since Voldemort was getting more powerful, why did he just go? Apparently some people think he died, but some people think he's out there biding his time, although Hagrid disagrees. Uh, he says people on his side, people who went to the dark side, came back to the good side, and some even seem to come out of trances, uh, which he doesn't think would have happened if Voldemort was still around. He doesn't think that they'd have been brave enough to suddenly betray the dark side, which I suppose is a fair point if Voldemort is as sort of scary as we've been led to believe. Although... I suppose you could kind of argue that how would they know if he was gone or not because everyone else seems to be confused about where he is so I guess maybe they just don't know and decide to take a chance that maybe he was dead. But anyway Hagrid says that he believes Voldemort's still out there but he's lost all his powers and is too weak to carry on because something about Harry finished him that night. Now at this point rather than feeling pleased or proud Harry understandably was completely baffled and sure this was some sort of a mistake i mean as he says he'd once if he'd once defeated the greatest sorcerer in the world how come dudley was able just to kick him around like a football which i suppose is fair because it wasn't even like harry meant to harry defeated the greatest sorcerer in the world when he was one years old you know now he's 11 and he's getting kicked around i mean i guess that doesn't make sense um and Harry mentions this to Hagrid, who just chuckles. Uh, he, he obviously, I guess, when he realised 
that Harry sort of didn't understand. He kind of starts to piece things together. And he asks Harry if he's ever made something happen when he was scared or angry. Something that maybe he didn't mean to. And obviously Harry suddenly flashes back to everything magical that's happened. Including the, the boa constrictor escaping. The sweater being put on and shrinking when it was going over his head. His hair suddenly reappearing after he had a bad haircut. Uh, all those sorts of magical things disappearing and appearing on the roof when he was escaping from Dudley's gang. And now it really is starting to make sense to him because he's suddenly thinking, I, I suppose this all makes sense then. Like, I guess slowly, if you're an 11 year old boy, you're sort of being given all this proof. In my head, I was thinking when I went back into this rereading, I was wondering if I was going to criticise it for sort of saying that he found out he was a wizard too early and he was just too trusting of Hagrid. But I guess when you start to piece it all together, Hagrid's making a fairly convincing argument. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff to back up what he says that there's no way Hagrid could have known that stuff had happened. But Harry obviously knows. It's obviously something that I suppose happens to all young wizards and witches just before they sort of get their Hogwarts letters. They start to have these little flashes of magic that perhaps give a little bit of a hint. Um, Hagrid mentions that when he gets to Hogwarts, he'll be right famous, which again causes Vernon to pipe up. He seems to get little like spikes of courage vernon but it's never consistent he can be shut up pretty quickly but anyway he says harry will be going to stonewall high hagrid again reminds him that a muggle like him is never going to stop lily and james's son going to hogwarts uh, and that harry's name's been down since birth uh, and I, I did wonder at this point um is everyone's name down at birth or is that just something that you know certain witches and wizards are so sort of they're from families that have gone to hogwarts so they're guaranteed to be because then i thought you know like um muggle-born kids you know kids with non-magical parents getting accepted have they been down since birth or I, I don't know were they chosen later i'm not sure if we ever sort of find that out or if jk's ever explained that anywhere but if you know please let me know in the comments because that'd be something i'd really be interested to find out anyway hagrid then explains he's off to the finest school of witchcraft and wizardry in the world um Oh, I'm lost here. I'm, I'm reading one sentence and I got lost. Anyway, sorry, let me try that again. He's off to the finest school of witchcraft and wizardry in the world. Seven years there and he won't know himself. He'll be with youngsters of his own sort for a change. And he'll be under the greatest headmaster Hogwarts ever had. Albus Dumbled. I am not paying for some crackpot old fool to teach him magic tricks, yelled Uncle Vernon. But he had finally gone too far. Hagrid seized his umbrella and whirled it over his head. Never, he thundered insult albus dumbledore in front of me he brought the umbrella swishing down through the air to point at dudley there was a flash of violet light a sound like a firecracker a sharp squeal and next second dudley was dancing on the spot with his hands clasped over his fat bottom howling in pain when he turned his back on them harry saw a curly pig's tail poking through a hole in his trousers now I suppose this would be the bit which would finally confirm it to Harry. Either one of two things. He's either dreaming or magic's real because he's seen it happen in front of him. So I guess, yeah, I'm wrong to maybe have assumed that I might have thought before doing this reread that he worked it out too quickly. He's had literal proof of magic right in front of him. And I did think maybe poor Dudley. I mean, I don't really like him. He's a bully, but I guess he is only a kid. And this was something that Vernon did and it resulted in dudley getting a pig's tail anyway vernon then roars and he pulls petunia and dudley into the other room casting one last terrified look towards hagrid and slamming the door and i believe if i'm right i think that's the last time we see the dursleys now until the start of the chamber of secrets book so 
thank you for coming. Um, if it, they, they might, I don't know. Uh, oh no, maybe they appear. I think they might appear at the end of this book to pick Harry up. But I think that's it now until at least the end of this book. And I, I would say, you know, thank you, Dursleys. Uh, I hate you, but I always enjoy starting the books with them because it feels like, it feels like you get reintegrated to the magical world every time because you start off in the Muggle world, and it, you know, it's always nice then to sort of have that little, you know, reintroduction to the book before throwing yourself into a magical fantasy land so we'll see them very soon though but it's a goodbye for now they have been a very big part of the start the first three well four episodes of this series in fact anyway Hagrid says you know he shouldn't have lost his temper I suppose that's something about Hagrid he's a lovely guy but he does have a bit of a short fuse sometimes anyway he says that the spell didn't work anyway he actually meant to d turn Dudley into a full-on pig uh, he says he'd be grateful though if Harry didn't mention that at Hogwarts as he's not actually allowed to do magic. Uh, which will become a topic at one point. Maybe not in this book, maybe later. But, you know, obviously we're going to... If you've read the books, you know exactly what I mean by that. Um, anyway, as we always do on this series, we're going to read the final little bit of this chapter now. Um, so Harry says, why aren't you supposed to do magic, asked Harry. Oh, well, I was at Hogwarts myself, but I... Uh, Got expelled, to tell you the truth. In me third year, they snapped me wand in half and everything. But Dumbledore let me stay on as gamekeeper. Great man, Dumbledore. Why were you expelled? It's getting late and we've got loads to do tomorrow, said Hagrid loudly. Gotta get up to town. Get all your books and that. He took off his thick black coat and threw it to Harry. You can kip under that, he said. Don't mind if it wriggles a bit. I think I still got a couple of door mice in one of the pockets. And that is the end of chapter four. And I will just close it out. Uh, I'll try not to knock my mic over again by showing you this cool picture of the hut that they were in for this scene. And we're gonna close it up there. So next time we'll be reading chapter five, which I think, I'll just double check, is called Diagon Alley. Yep, it's just called Diagon Alley. Now. I know for a fact this is something I wanted to talk about. Obviously, I said at the start of this video, the notes for this one were a little bit longer than the last one. This next video, this next podcast, Diagon Alley, I think it's going to be a long one because this normally in this book so far, each chapter has been about six pages, six double-sided spreads of pages with some pictures in and stuff like that. This next chapter is 11 pages, but also more than that, it's a lot of descriptions it's a lot of descriptive stuff so i'm very very excited but i think it could be a long one i think it could be a detailed one obviously there's a lot of detail that goes into these podcasts now and there's a lot of explaining because obviously we're in the first few chapters of the first book a lot of this is world building and introducing characters i think as this series goes on it'll become more about you know bullet points explaining stuff and talking about sort of my opinion and and evaluating stuff but so far we've had so much to just explain you know this this chapter has been a lot of reading text straight out of the book because it's all about learning with Harry about the wizarding world whereas when that world's actually been created it'll probably be a lot smoother less notes probably take me less time to prepare my notes but maybe longer to read the chapters as we go on and the chapters become longer but anyway I think that's the exciting thing about it though some episodes like the last episode I think the first couple of episodes were over 40 minutes the last chapter came in at just over half an hour so it was a bit of a short one i'm not sure how long this one's come up but i think it's longer than the last one at least whereas the philosopher's stone diagon alley chapter next week i think is going to be even longer if i had to guess but who knows uh, i haven't read it for a little while but anyway thank you all so much for watching i hope you've enjoyed uh, this was a very important chapter and i've loved reading through it with you and i will see you next time goodbye <laughs>